Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message. The interesting title I chose today, as you can see, is I Envy You. That's the main title of my presentation. I envy you. And the subtitle is, Why I Feel Sorry for You. It's quite interesting, eh? On the one hand, I'm saying I envy you. And then I'm saying, I also feel sorry for you. So, let's move on. Why do I envy you? On the one hand, I envy you because you are a blessed generation. You have no idea how blessed you are. You have been empowered with amazing potential. All of you here. Your blessings, you can't count. So you're asking, "Ah, but if you have been blessed and you envy us, why do you feel sorry for us? I feel sorry for you because most of you are not maximizing the capacity you have to achieve greatness. You are all, not all, I'm sorry. Most of us are underperforming. So you know why I envy you and you know why I feel sorry for you. You see my next slide is called A Legacy of Mediocrity, A Generational Flaw. What do I mean by that? Every responsible generation sets up certain standards for the next generation to inherit And when the next generation comes and they inherit, they improve on what they inherit. They improve and then pass it over to the next generation. They too come, they inherit it, they too improve it more for the next generation. So you can see generationally, things get better and better and better and better. But we have a problem in Ghana where a generation inherits a legacy. Excuse me one second. They inherit a legacy. And not only do they not improve it, at least they could have just left it alone as is. No, they don't. They destroy it. They leave a worse legacy than they inherited for the next generation to come and inherit. Guess what? They too come. They also inherit something of a less quality and they also do their damage and they go so as the generation grows each generation is left with the task of inheriting something more inferior than the generation ahead that is not progress that cannot be development that cannot be evolution I don't know if there's a word but this is like devolution yeah I remember back in my time where the University of Ghana they were sleeping one person to a room. Oh, yes. One person to a room. And where the University of Ghana, they had tea breaks. 10 a.m. Tea breaks. 4 o'clock, tea break. University of Ghana. That was one generation. The next generation that came to inherit it went to two people in the room. Four. And then of late, it was like 12 and patching and all of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. 
So each generation comes and they mess it up some more. So when that happens, when that happens, the generation that is growing into it, they are growing into a culture of mediocrity. I can say that, oh, in my time, one person to a room. So I know excellence. I am resonated that one one. Or two two. So I know excellence. My son, who is there now, they are twelve, they are patching. The thing is, to him that's normal. Do you see what I'm saying? To him it's normal. So what I consider degradation, what I consider inferior to another generation, oh, this is the normal, this is the standard. So it's very, very, very dangerous when you have a generation whose standards have fallen. That's why I say I feel sorry for you. Because through no fault of yours, you have inherited a culture of mediocrity. Through no fault of yours. Uncle Bo said, the children look up to what their parents are doing. They imitate, they learn, and they copy. And unfortunately, the generation ahead of you is giving you something to copy that is nothing to write home about. Through no fault of yours, you've been programmed to accept the lowest common denominator. I'm setting you all up, you know, because we're going to be talking about how we think global. And before I get you to understanding how you think global, I want you to know the current state you are in. So you know what to get rid of. To put your mind in that global mode. We accept the lowest common denominator. I remember back in the day in Accra, some years ago, you can hear somebody complaining. Can you believe, uh, you know, for about one week now, we haven't had any water in Laboni. Then somebody say, oh, one week, but you are lucky. <laughs> ah, you come to Medina. It's been two months. Then next person say, oh, Medina, two months. Well, you are lucky. Come to Kaswa, three years. <laughs> and it keeps going. And the winner is, the one with the lowest common ever depressing story is the winner. So when you grow up in a culture like this, you get used to substandard things. Because you keep comparing yourselves not to the giants who are ahead of you, but to the dwarfs. The evil dwarfs. (laughs) Who are behind you. So I just wanted to understand why I say I feel sorry for you, but why I say, but I can't blame you. But something has happened. Even though you have been engulfed in this culture of mediocrity, this substandard culture, I'm sorry. Yeah. The world has not been waiting though. The world has been moving. And I'll give you a little story which for me symbolizes the best way to explain what has gone on in transformation in this world. When I went to Form 1 at Premper College, by the way, I'm going to say Kromboyo. Show some love, man. <laughs> when I went to Premper College, we used to sneak out to South Sotelso to go and do a few things, but we won't go into that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I got to school back in the day. We didn't have mobile phones. We didn't even have land phones floating around the area. So when I get to Kumasi, I'm supposed to write to my father and let him know, say, Mabedu Kumasi. Let me show you what it took to do that. First, I need to buy a writing pad. 
these, these days you don't know writing parts. Then I get a pen. I sit down, take a leaf from the writing part. Then I sit down and write. Dear father, da 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 da. Then I go to the post office and buy a stamp. Do you know what the stamp is? If you, I, mean, I haven't seen the stamp in about 30 years. No, I'm lying. Huh? Buy a stamp, get an envelope, put the letter in the envelope, seal it. Huh? Put the stamp on it, then walk over to where I post the letters. Overseas, inland, email, whatever. And then I put the letter in the mailbox. Then I come back to school. Some of you don't remember these things, man. And wait about seven days for the letter to go from Kumasi Central Post Office to be delivered to my father in Accra. Seven days. He too will get my letter and say, oh, Kweku, show me. And then he also respond, okay, Kweku, I'm glad you are there. Da, 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 da. Go through the same process. Envelope, writing pad, seal it, and post it. They'll come all the way back to me at Prumper College. Now the whole thing, sending a letter to my father, getting a reply, would take a month. That's my time. A month. In your time, what do you do? You go anywhere, not even a crowd to Kumasio, a crowd to Albuquerque. Anywhere on this land, you get there, whip up a mobile phone. Dear dad and mom, I've arrived. In one second, your father has a message. Or your mother has a message. And they too, oh, we thank God for your safe arrival. You have the response. What took my generation one month to do takes you two seconds. Do you see the amazing power you have? Why I say you have phenomenal power in your hands? What took us one month to accomplish in your generation can take you two seconds. And I'm just using this to get you at your, your mind thinking so that graphically you can see that the world has changed. The game has changed. Information technology has created a whole new playing field. The game has changed and so should our mindset change. Hmm? Very, very, very important. The game has changed, so should our mindset change. The game is now digital. Unfortunately, our mindset is still stuck in analog. And you are the young ones. You are the bright ones. The future belongs to you. You are dynamic. And please, 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 you have inherited a legacy of substandard and mediocrity and I just want you to be aware of what you have inherited so that you make a conscious attempt to shake it off. One of the things I'm talking about, analog mindset, status quo paralysis. What do I mean by that? Oh, this is Don't talk like that. That was a language in our generation. Oh, yeah, it's that's the way we do it. Do we question it? No. Is it effective? We don't care. Is it efficient? We don't care. But what do we care? Oh, that's how we do it. Status quo paralysis is killing us. And when Uncle Bo was showing us the slide, the first thing was bold to go into world and territories that no man has ever dreamt of. You cannot do that with status quo paralysis. Lack of urgency 
or lack of passion. I don't, I don't, very, very few people I meet that I get the sense that they are passionate. You are the youth. You have all the energy, trust me. But I don't see the passion. Everything, if you ask me to do something and I, and I don't want to do it and I'm reluctant, it's simply because I don't have the passion for it. Because passion is the fool for excellence. So trust me, if you don't have passion, you will not deliver excellence. End of discussion. So be passionate. And find out things that you are passionate about that you can do. Inability to process information is killing us. We used to say knowledge is power. Very, very common thing. Oh, but knowledge is power. One of the things we say without thinking about it. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. Knowledge becomes power only when you know how to apply the knowledge. Otherwise, trust me, there are many, many, many people in Ghana, in big, big places, who have knowledge. But we are where we are now. Knowledge is not power. It's the application. When I went to the U.S. and we had uh, my, one of my first exams, it was, uh, was called an open book exam. And I was surprised to hear of an open book exam. What is an open book exam? It means you can come to the exam room with your books. You say, where are they different? That was the approach. Come to the exam room with your books, with your notes. Open book exam. I was shocked. But we went there. We all had our books I think it was a political science class. You could actually refer to your books. You could refer to your notes. Some passed, some failed. <laughs> so it wasn't because we have access to knowledge or the information that made those who passed, pass. Because everybody had that access. It was those who were able to take that information and give it a relevant interpretation that passed. So knowledge is not power. It is the correct application of knowledge that gives you power. We lack initiative and creativity and trust me, in this global world that we are, the global world is driven by innovation and creativity. Whatever you have studied, you need to have innovation and creativity to take it to the next level. You can't be doing something just because you are doing it by accident. No. So back it with passion and creativity. Because the state that we are in, or most of us are in, is the analog mentality. Somebody dies and if you can see the amount of time and energy the family sits down to put in the planning of the funeral, Oh, no, no, he's a big man. Hey, three months. You let him be at the motion. Let him chill small. Oh, Penny, let's, let's plan the funeral. People stop going to work. Oh, boss. Weeks. If only we could apply the same energy and discipline we put into planning funerals, into passion for the things we do, Productively, you'll be amazed how far we'd go. It's all analog thinking, and we need to go past analog thinking. 
the world has gone digital. Things have changed. They're talking about going global, going global, going global. What is going global? Because we live in a digital generation and it is fast and dynamic. I remember when we were in school, we used to sing this song long ago. I don't know whether you still sing it. Um, this is the old school Krifu, not the modern Krifu ones. Back in our day. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. We've got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in something like that. Eh? Yeah. And I'm singing this because that was a song about the amazing phenomenal power of God and how he has the whole world in his hands. And I don't mean to blaspheme. And I don't mean to say we are challenging God. But trust me, in a certain way, this digital revolution has put the world in your hands as well. Not the world in terms of the power of God to make and break, but trust me. Uncle Lebo talked about how we had mainframe computers and there could be weapons. And how this thing here, this mobile phone here, this is the world in my hands. group of people trying to book the last show I did, the Secrets of GH Girls, to Canada. And they're sending me information about how they want to book it. You know what I did? Just pasted clips of the show on my mobile phone. You know, got their link. Blah, 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 I pressed the button. They can see at least 10 seconds of the show within five minutes. From Accra to Canada. I have the world in my hands. What is it I can't do with this? And we have access to all this amazing technology that gives us phenomenal power. Cynthia talked about information overload. You go and sit at the computer uh, the Google, and Google one word and you say, they say 500,000. What do you do with it? We have amazing power to get knowledge and give it a collective application that will give us the power. Let's not, oh, what do you call it? Waste it. We don't have a choice now, you know. It's not about, oh, let me see whether I want to go global or not. You know, you don't have that choice. The world has gone global, so it's a matter of whether you ship up, shape up, or ship out. You can't compete. We sit here in Ghana. We have rice farms in Ghana. People are cultivating rice in Ghana. And yet, somebody can import rice from China or Thailand or Malaysia or whatever, pay all their shipping uh, fee or whatever, bring it to Ghana and sell it cheaper than the rice grown in Ghana. Why? Why? Because we are not facing up to the requirements of globalization. If you don't shape up, we will ship out. And I always tell people that Jesus Christ gave the best definition of globalization and they think I'm joking. So I will care some Jesus Christ I'm not globalization. He gave the definition. He said unto them who have more will be added. And unto those who do not have even the little that they have will be taken away from them. That's globalization. That's why you sit here with your small small rice and cocoa and things. And then they bring cocoa from abroad, make chocolate, and it's cheaper than golden tree. 
It's globalization. The world is saying that, listen, the level field is now flat. It's been leveled. So if you want to play, play and play hard. Otherwise, you lose. Otherwise, you lose. And that's why Ghana is losing. We are not, we have not positioned ourselves to face globalization and win. So, what does this mean? I said there were two levels of it. We have the national level, where a country should develop its products or services and make them relevant and competitive on the world market. That's nationally. That's what Ghana should be doing. We should find an area that Ghana can do that wherever we go, we are leading. Look at, where do you go in this world that you don't find Chinese restaurant? Even my village of Musu. I went to Abomusu, Chinese restaurant, people are, oh, I'm kidding. But the Chinese, every country you go to, there's a Chinese restaurant. They've gone global, not just food. The shocking thing for me was when in Accra, I, I was, you know, there's this new fugu, that's the long one, you know. So I'm buying one because I like it. I like to wear it in the evenings, you know. I like to look African and support the local talent. Then I go home and then I look at the, the, the mark thing here, made in China. <laughs> so they're going to make batakari and bring it too? It's serious, so. So what are we doing? This is where some serious government thinkers should sit up and think about some serious policies. One, to make sure we can protect our own, encourage our own, and make it profitable by making it very uncomfortable for those coming from outside. But do we care? There's no passion anywhere. We watch it sinking. And as it is sinking, we are, we are on the boat dancing. Azunto. Huh? I think it was Bob Mali who said Africa is burning and the black man is doing the freak. Yeah, found cry, yes, hey, you know. Anyway, let's move on. So my next thing is so many are called. But thank you. It's a very, very, very brilliant scripture here. Many are called, but few are chosen. Just like the other definition of globalization. Just so you understand, when it says the more who have, is that those who dominate the world markets, they will keep dominating. And those of us who don't make an attempt to impact the world market will keep losing. That's the definition. Now, many are called, but few are chosen. I wanted to share that with you too. Who are the ones that are called? And who are the ones that are chosen? The constant thread that runs through the chosen few is that they are prepared. And I want to say that so that you also start understanding that when it comes to thinking global, you must start preparing. Preparation is key. We are not prepared. That's why we are the losing end of it. Saying that I like so much, it says even luck favors the prepared mind. Even luck. I don't believe in luck, you know. You hear, oh, 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 this man or this one was very, very lucky. She was there at the right time and she was at the right place at the right time. 
What does that mean? You can get to the right place at the right time, but lose the opportunity because you're not prepared. You can get there. They're looking for somebody just like you. You are there at the right place and at the right time, but you lose the opportunity because you are not prepared. So never ever say if you've been saying that, stop saying it. Oh, the man was lucky. The lady was lucky. She was there at the right time and at the right place. No, she was lucky or he was lucky because they were prepared. The only thing that qualifies you to be at the right place at the right time is the right preparation. We've got to prepare. When I was talking about globalization, I talked about it on the national level, thinking global. And then there's the individual level of thinking global. Basically, what is it that you can do? Is it a talent? Is it a service? Whatever it is that you can do and make it relevant to the global market. Relevant to the global market. The key word there is relevant to the global market. Because if it's not relevant, it's not going anywhere. To the global market. If those of you here who want to be filmmakers and you want to make great films and impact the films greatly on the global market, trust me, your point of reference cannot be the films you watch. It can't be Kumasi films, I'm sorry. Fine, if you want to do a film and sell it uh, at KJTR or Bobulushi on that level, fine. God bless you, go ahead. Nothing wrong with that. But if you say you want to go global and be relevant in other bigger markets, you can't think Ghana films the way we do it here. Not all of them. We have some very, very decent ones. So anyway, in wrapping up, I just want to draw your attention to the fact that you have so much access to knowledge. I have a guy working with me at Sapphire now and yesterday he came in looking very, very tired and he says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the reason is that he's taking an online class learning editing and the class is being held in the U.S. And the U.S. time is different from our time. So in order to catch the class, he had to rush to the office around 1 a.m., to be a part of the class. He's in my office. He's at Ajirengano. Taking a class. Being organized in New York. Online class. That is the name of the digital revolution. Online. Online. Are you online? If you're not online, you're not ready to go global. Online gives you amazing things. You can be, you can be in, 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 in Pabodeba to Chok and design some fascinating tapestry and if it's excellent and has global relevance put that on the net put that on youtube and you can find a buyer in japan online that's how you think global because we can do it we have Ghanaians playing in the global arena our own comrade Mo. he started and developed excellence in ghana as a broadcaster now he's a star presenter on bbc we can do it Sarkodie has won a BET award. He raps in Chi. He doesn't even rap in English. The people at BET are sitting there enjoying the thing. They don't know what he's saying. But he's been able to make his music relevant. So he's winning awards. He's gone global. You too can go global. In whatever you're doing. 
Except you have to understand that it takes a lot of hard work, preparation. Sometimes it will feel like you should stop. A personal experience I had one time in New York City when I wanted really to go acting professionally in New York City and I rented a theater on 23rd Street and I was performing a show that I wrote called Thoughts of a Confused Black Man. It was a one-man show. Very, very deep. But very, very, very funny as well. And I'm, I'm doing this show. And one night I come, I get on the train and come to the theater. The theater is a very digital theater, by the way. It is so bad, I have to come and clean up and arrange chairs before I perform. And I cannot even afford anybody to do the lighting for me. So do you know what I do? The lighting switch right backstage is right there. So before I come on stage, Lama saw me light. And then walk on the stage to perform. Now the interesting thing is that I die on the stage. So I have a switch made for me where I die. And I make sure I collapse right around the switch. So that when I'm dead, I slowly fade out the light. And that's, those were the few things. Cleaning the toilets at that theater in before I perform. And one night I was to perform, only two people showed up. Two. But hey, the show must go on. Two people in the audience. Two white men. I went out there and I performed as if it was a, a room this big. We did show. I, I just, I was, I performed. I was telling myself, and fine, I don't care if it's two people, I'll let them show what I can see, what I can do. And when I finished, and I got a standing ovation from the two people, that's the best standing ovation I've ever received in my life, man. <laughs> from two people. <laughs> you know? And right after that, the guy came backstage, he says, um, my name is Tony Andresakis, I'm a producer, and I love your work. He took that show from the Dingy Theater, within two months, and put it at the Mesa Theater, which is considered off-Broadway. And trust me, at the time, I don't know if it's changed, this is 94, my time talking. At that time, I was the first, at that time, the first and only African who had gotten a one-man play produced off-Broadway, at that time. And, thank you, thank you. Now, I'm not saying for applause, but thank you. Maybe people have done it now, but, but you see what I went through? Just, just one example. And when I was performing there, I wasn't performing for Ghanaians from the Bronx or Ghanaians from Brooklyn to come and watch you. They haven't gone global. If my audience is Ghanaian, then I haven't gone global. It's, I've gone diasporian. It's a difference between global and diasporian. Eh? If you hire me here to come and perform in UK, and when I go there, it's all the Ghanaians, then I'm gone diasporian. No, global! White people, Japanese, French, they were all in the audience. That's going global. You're hitting the international market, not selecting a little segment of the market. So that's what I want your mindset to be. I went through of the, 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 situ the trouble of showing you where our mindset is now and how we should all debrief it. My final words that I share with everybody before I finish speaking is a scripture. Galatians 3.20. And it goes like this. And to him who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above, I love it. Triple action. And he's talking about the power of God. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above 
everything that we can think and ask. But the scripture doesn't end there. And that's not the best part of the scripture. And to him who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything we can think and ask, according to the power that works within us. That's how the scripture ends. Don't leave that part out. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that we can think and ask, according to the power that works within us. So, your assignment tonight, for those of you who have not laughed yet at the Buhai's joke, who are waiting for tomorrow to remember the joke, the assignment is, what is this power that we are talking about? You have it. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-249-99000. You may also subscribe to amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Come